In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I asked him, why were you crying? He said, man, for you, for you. He has the biggest heart. This is a good day. It's taken me nearly two hours to get from Douglas to Blackpool. If you walk Patrick Street, you have people in doorways and they're shouting at you, fighting with each other over their tree. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with P.J. Coogan. Sorry, Katie. What's the weather forecast? The weather today is wet and windy with some spot flooding as outbreaks of rain gradually clear. We'll have afternoon highs of 10 to 13 and the current temperature is 12 degrees. Thank you so much. I don't know what happened there. Didn't get a chance to hear the weather forecast. Thank you. Good morning, Wednesday morning. 0818 96 96 96. The number text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. A lot to do today. When you're reading your child a bedtime story, telling them a traditional bedtime story, there's a lot of fun being had about this at the moment. I'll read you bits of an article later written by a, a broadcaster and journalist called Simon Tierney who regularly edits the fairy stories and bedtime stories that he reads to his two little daughters. I also talked to a mum who agrees with it and has already thrown out a book. She's actually gone and physically taken a book and put it in the bin because of the way it was written. That is for later on this morning. What on earth was happening up in Nocknahindi last night? I started to see these videos floating around on my socials in the evening time and I thought they were coming from somewhere else other than the north side of the city and then yeah God not Nahini where they come what the hell is going on up there what on earth did you see it are you were you sitting in your front room or bedroom looking out what was going on Um, if you were an eyewitness or just send me a voice note or a text or whatever what was it all about the thing in the examiner Uh, Liz Dunphy is writing in the Examiner that it was reportedly an anniversary gathering for a young man who had died tragically 
uh, and that that had been organized in advance and then mayhem erupted. Now, whether or not the two are connected, they don't make that point. In the examiner, they say a car crashed and went on fire and fireworks were set off and that the fireworks were allegedly, I say allegedly, aimed like missiles at the guards and at the emergency services and first responders, etc., etc. The guy issued a statement, as usual, it's just the very basics that you get from the press office confirming they attended the scene of a single vehicle road collision around 20 to 8. And two youths aged in their teens taken to CUH for treatment, non-life-threatening injuries, etc., etc. Uh, reports of a number of public order incidents at the same location and that investigations are ongoing. The gather statement doesn't, but then it wouldn't link the two. So that's where that is. Uh, Thomas Gould, local Sinn Féin TD, and indeed other local politicians were saying, well, we don't have enough guards. And Thomas Gould is quoting, or he's, in the paper anyway, he's quoting uh, a guy, the source, saying to him that they just don't have the resources to deal with something like that when it when it kicks off of an evening. And in fairness, we know this. We've been talking to, over the couple of months gone by there to... Um, Pauline Harrington, the GRA rep, the gather rep, and he said, we don't have the numbers if anything major should kick off any time at all. So, I'd like to know more about what's happening up there last evening. Today's the 21st of October. It's six months ago since a man called John Keevney went missing. Uh, he went missing in August. And it's baffling because he just literally disappeared into thin air like off the face of the planet in the early hours of the morning I spoke back in October to his uncle John or I beg your pardon to John's uncle Cahill to uncle Cahill six weeks after John had gone missing John had been in hospital after an epileptic episode we think which would have affected his memory and that happened on the around the 19th or 20th of August. And then Carl Keebney takes up the story with me, speaking back in October. He discharged himself in the hospital on the Sunday, went into Cork City Centre, and we think he went around to a number of shops and premises trying to charge his phone. And due to his disorientation, somehow ended up near the Centre Park Road, near the Circle K station, near the Albert Road and the Centre Park Road at around about 20 past one on the morning of Monday, the 21st of August. He was a major music fan. And um, one of the things we think he may have been doing is, again, with the disorientation and, and not really knowing where he was or who he was even, he obviously somehow um, had a, a recollection about being in Cork and maybe being at the Marquis in Cork because he used to go to a huge number of concerts there. He walked down the Centre Park Road and the next possible sighting we have of him is walking past Parky Keeve on the Marina Walkway there mm-hmm. at around about one thirty, one forty, again on the early hours of the Monday morning. And was that picked up on somebody's CCTV call? It was. This is the key to everything, PJ. Um, only for CCTV We'd have no idea of his whereabouts whatsoever that evening. So CTV, CTV is actually crucial to helping us find John and, and to know where he is. So where's the last CCTV 
sighting of him then? Unfortunately, it's at Parky Cave at around about 1.40, again on the morning of Monday the 21st of August, which is really strange, which is really baffling. You know, where did he go after that? And we still don't have an answer to that question. Philip Johnson's a driver with Mallow Search and Rescue. Philip, you guys have been involved in this search over the last six months. It really is a baffling one, isn't it? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Um, yeah, do you know, 21st of August to the 21st of February, six months gone by, and we have absolutely no idea where John is, you know? Um, like, over the time, we would have used the resources of Mala Search and Rescue using the site scan sonar. We've used, like, we've done river searches. We've done searches along the shoreline down as far as Cove, um, we've used uh, one of our new bits of kit, which is an ROV, a remote operating vehicle, um, as as recent as last Thursday and last Saturday on the river. And, you know, we're, we're, we're not giving up hope. Um, clearly, we're not giving up hope, but, like, you know, you, you just, it's, it is just absolutely baffling, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, The last fighting was down there by Parky Cueve. Obviously, people think of the river... Yeah. One one would, and Philip, you are far more experienced and knowledgeable of this than I, one would have thought that if he had gone into the river, the poor devil, the river would have given him up by now. Well, this, this is true, and especially like, you know, our boss in, in Mallow is like John Wolfe, and John is fantastic. Um, John says, if we're not out on the river searching, and they, they pop up, because that's what happens from time to time, if we're not there, we won't see them. And then they go down again. But we've been there. Uh, we've been there. Corkmus and Persons have been out as well, to be fair to them. Um, and we just, we just like, you know, we've searched. We've searched everywhere. We've used, like, Mallow Search and Rescue is around for the last 40 years. We've done hundreds upon hundreds of searches in Cork. We've got massive experience of tidal flows, the way the river goes. You know, knowing even things like that and watching the moons to see the high tides, low mm-hmm. tides, knowing when to do it. Um, we've done, like, quite honestly, we've done, as I've done, okay, diving into the water to check any kind of thing that the site scan sonar would have picked up, any kind of an image, um, yeah. and nothing. We just can't, we can't see him. But he must be somewhere. This is the thing, you know. You know um, where to search, you know when to search, you know the right correct. time. Sometimes that might be half past three in the morning. That won't stop you. Yeah. Well, we, we will do anything. Like, we get called out in the middle of the night from time to time. But, like, you know, like, Mallow Search and Rescue, it sounds very parochial that, as if they're based in Mallow. But yeah. we do most of our work in the city in Cork. Um, you know, so the, the lads the lads leave the base some mornings at half six in the morning to be on the river for eight o'clock, have the boats ready, be on there, get the most out of the daylight. Um, and some nights it's, it's half ten, eleven o'clock, and they're stopping out and... The, you know, the Mallow Road to get food on the way home, you know. Yeah. Um, but, like, uh, you know, I suppose one of the things that I, I wanted to say to you today is that, like, a friend of ours actually saw John that night um, up around McCorton Street area, and she knew, she saw him, okay? No, he was he was there, he was seen there, so this isn't news. But she saw this man, this was disorientated, who was actually, he had a, a little hospital band on his wrist, Mm-hmm. And she said to herself, God, there's something wrong. There's something odd about that. Mm-hmm. But did nothing, you know. And that's, that's, not, that's, that's fine. It, it was just an observation. I suppose what I'm asking for today is, is, has anybody else 
a recollection of something like that, like seeing him down Centre Park Road or seeing him down near the marina mm-hmm. um, or even further afield, you know. But to cast anything, any little, any little point that somebody could say, well, do you know what? I didn't report it because I didn't think it was important at the time. Yeah. The, guard, the guards often say we're that, not give up, you know? The guards yeah. often say that when they're conducting briefings. They say, look, it might seem like nothing to you and it might be nothing, but it could yeah. also be the key. It could be. It could be. Like, I've walked down that area myself, personally. I've walked down towards, you know, like, for me... One of the areas was the Atlantic Pond. You're kind of going, God, if he fell in there, if he fell into the river, right, we should have found him in the river because we did such an extensive search of the river. And then you think of the Atlantic Pond. But the Atlantic Pond was searched by the guards. Um, So, again, like, highly unlikely that he's in there. Highly unlikely. But, listen, you know, I I cast my mind back from time to time. How deep is that pond, Philip? Oh, it's it's only about two metres deep. I mean, honestly, you know, I, I suppose like that, no. <laughs> One of my things is, why don't we just drain it and it confirm that he's not there? But, you know, I don't think you can, I don't think you can do that, you know. Mm. But, um, but then, PJ, as you walk down towards the end of Centre Park Road and just at that turn where you come onto the marina, on the left-hand side there, there's there's an area which floods, it's it's wet, it's wetland, it's scrubland. Again, I mean, if he stumbled and fell in there and didn't get out, but yeah. somebody, some like, you know, it sounds awful. I'm going to say it, but it sounds awful. But even if somebody got a strong smell at some stage and said, you know, God, I wonder, yeah, if that even that could be reported, that again the guards could search. You know, that's I, know. I suppose that's what we're trying to get across today. Um, six months on it, um, that's why we put up on our own Facebook site. We put it up yesterday to to highlight the fact that John is still missing. We're trying our best, um, I suppose. What we need, like as I said to you, Christmas time, we we recovered a a, a missing person around Christmas time down around Rushbrook and Cove. Mm. That was a very far place from where he actually had gone in. And suddenly we looked at each other and said, bloody hell, we have to do a, shore, a shoreline search. That's very hard to say. A shoreline search of the area down there. And we did. And to be fair, um, John's best friend was actually there on the day, you know. So they haven't given up hope of, like, you know, they haven't given up hope. Mm. They're hoping that he'll be found one way or the other, I suppose, is really what it is. One, you know? one theory at the time when I spoke to Cahill, and that was quite a lengthy interview, they just brought us a clip of it there, was that because he was disorientated, he might even have known who he was. He could have wandered and could have just been found by someone and helped someone well, and given him money, thinking like, he was a vagrant. But again, they, they, they wouldn't remember. Oh, sure, I don't I remember that. You know? yeah. I mean, have I mean, we like, given I up hope, any hope, John, or Philip? Have we given up any hope of finding him alive at this point? Um, okay, without a body you have to cling to the hope that he's still alive. Um, like, you you do. You have to cling to that hope that somewhere along the line, like, Katrina Toomey inside has been excellent with, with Cahill and the family, the Keevney family. And, you know, they've... they've. I, I know they're very, very, very close, as they are with us. Um, they're lovely people. The Keevney family are just lovely, lovely people. I spoke to John's mother um, at a mass, actually, in the Penny Dinners, at Christmas time for John, for the people that actually were looking for John as well. And like, she just looked at me, this, this, no, I don't want to say she was an old lady, but you know what I'm saying? Do, this, this lovely, 
lovely, mature, older woman and just said, where did he go to? I go to bed every night saying, John, where are you? You know, mm. it's, it's, it, it must be a living nightmare for him. But there is always that hope that, you're right, somebody may have given him a spin and is, is, is still looking after him and not knowing, you know, um, not knowing who he is or what he is. But that's, I suppose, look, that's highly unlikely. I know. Um, I know. It's highly unlikely. Well, you have to, you have to, you have to, you know. <laughs> there was a lady who walked out of a, a nursing home in Bray a couple of years ago um, and there was a big, big search at the time for her. Mm. And two or three years later, she was 100 yards away from the nursing home in shrubs, in, in you know, a, a, a grown or grown areas in a wild kind of area mm. like that. No, she had been there the whole time. So John, John could be in at the back of the, the Parky Quays area, um, you know, just waiting to be found. I take um, it, Philip, that the new ponds that are down there where the swans are swimming and all that, that's all been trawled and searched and everything. Again, we, we, we didn't do it, but we were assured that the guards did. Um, that they, and I've, I've met one of the guards one day in town, I was chatting to him and he said, yeah, yeah, we've been out there, you know, I was part of the search unit. So mm. they have searched all those. And around the park, at least there used to be, when I was young, for them, maybe it's gone now, but there used to be, in connection there with the Atlantic Pond, there used to be old drains and gullies and they'd be covered right. over with green slime. Are they still there? They would be, yeah, yeah. Mm. And again, oh, I mean, the, the the danger would be that he was swept into that. Uh, but again, PJ, that's the speculation. There's so many places that mm. he could be. And I suppose listening to Cahill when he was on with you the last time, he was kind of appealing to people, look, go out into the, the, the sheds and the outhouses, the areas that you don't kind of check very often, just on the odd chance that he went in, took shelter, and God love him, maybe succumbed. Yeah. Um, but... You know, I suppose that that is still the case because yeah. he it, has to be somewhere. And he'd he had an epileptic episode. If he got another he one, had. he'd have lost control. He could have fallen Correct. anywhere. Yeah, anywhere. Um, like, I don't know. Did you see the CCTV at the the Circuit K station the no. night that he went missing? Did no, you? no. Um, he was very unsure of himself and his feet, his walking. Every, you know, God love him. I I watched it and it was painful to watch. Mm. Um, he was. I believe he was actually trying to charge his phone in the petrol station at the pump. I mean, that's how kind of disorientated yeah. he was on the night, you know? So, yeah, and like that, no, I mean, it, it was a, there was a, a series of events. That if, he, night. if he was trying to charge his phone, clearly he was had the presence of mind that he wanted to contact somebody. Well, he, he had been in contact, I think, with the family. And again, no, he had been in contact in when he was walking on the McCorton Street, but the phone, the phone died. So, like, there's been a series of things that happened along the way, like the, the fact that when they looked for CCTV, when they started trying to find where did he go to, so a lot of the CCTV had been scrubbed after X amount of days. I think it's 30 days. Happens, but, happens. But, you know, yeah. it does, I mean, like that. So they, they've been very unlucky in trying to find him. But... Yeah. Somebody may know something small, and I suppose that's really what we're asking for again on today. No matter how I mean, insignificant, how you know, you could have been down there, you could you could have been walking a dog, as sometimes people will yeah. take a dog for a walk at weird hours of the day and night, and you might have seen a yeah. man early in the hours of that Sunday morning, and you might have said, again, "Oh, poor old, he's pissed now; he'll find his way home eventually." Kind of thing. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Anglesey Garda Station. That they're 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 looking after it. They're, if they get called, they'll follow it up. Um, you know, and there's no one going to laugh at you if it's nonsense. There's no one going to laugh at you if you're 
sending people. If you think Correct. yourself, just no matter. As as guards have often said, I always remember the great Con Cadigan, now retired, used to say when he was uh-huh. doing press conferences, he'd say, "It might be nothing to you, but it might be yeah. everything to us." It, and it, that's exactly really, you know what? No, that's exactly what I was hoping to say to you today. Was anybody that says, "I thought I might have seen him," but look, Jesus, it could have been anyone. Even to report it because it it might steer us in a different direction. It might yeah. steer the, the the search for him in a different direction. Mm. PJ, last night I was with some of the Mallow search and rescue people. We were doing diving training down in the MCI, the deep pool down Ring of Skiddy. Yeah, we were still we were actually still talking about Chan. You know, we're we're we, we still like if we got a call tomorrow to search a particular area, we'd be there tomorrow. Yeah. You know, we're not going to give up. Y- this this, this is something, Philip, isn't it? That when you in the that line of work that you do, yeah. you take this personally. This is very okay, personal yeah. to you, Arne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we're all volunteers, okay? I mean, that's that's what we are. We're volunteers. We give up our time to do this stuff. Um, and you want a successful outcome. You know, you, you're out there and some days, some days it's absolutely lashing down on top of you. I mean, God love us, going back to, do you remember when the, the Middleton flooded? Was it the 7th of October or something 17th like that? 17th of October, yeah. It's that, that kind of way. I was actually on the river that morning when it was pelting down because there was a missing person. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, what am I doing here? You know, but this is what we do. Somebody had yeah. to be out searching. You talk about the technology to... that you had, that you have, which is fantastic. Yeah. Cases yeah. saying, wouldn't it be even better if things like those hospital bracelets had some way of tracking them, RFID or Bluetooth yeah. or GPS or anything like that? You know, they, they, PJ, like, honestly, I, again, oh, I can't understand how the man was able to walk out of the hospital, you know? I mean, that's, I suppose that's for another day, but, yeah. you know, yes, I mean, at this stage, somebody should have a bracelet. Don't they do it for kids? Baby bracelets, don't they? As in, don't they have a monitor on baby bracelets in, in CUMH? You can in find your phone. My daughter's 12 and a half thousand miles away right now, and I know exactly where she is because I, oh, I can it's find her. terrifies her, does it? <laughs> <laughs> no, fair is she set it up. But come here, come yeah. back to, yeah. we'll, poor old John, hopefully someday, hopefully someday, there'll be some little yeah. clue. Come. Just something that we were talking about in the office Philip, yeah. and I want to throw it out there to you because, and we've talked about it more than once, and we've said, should we mention it on the air? This is, it's a, it's a thing that gets a name of a 72-hour challenge. Mm-hmm. Teenagers I know about it. gone missing and turning yeah. up almost exactly 72 hours later. Yeah. yeah. Is that yeah. going on or is it just nonsense? Is that actually happening, Philip? Uh, well, listen, I suppose, you know, one of the things that I was going to hope to ask you today is that people that are listening would actually get on our Facebook page and like our Facebook page because we only put up about two posts a week, maybe three the odd week, okay? But I went off Facebook. I finished with Facebook. I was I was done with it. Um, but because I'm involved with Mallow now again and we're trying to promote the unit all the time, I'm back and I, I share the posts and that kind of stuff. Eddie and my wife is looking after the actual practical stuff. No, I'm seeing all those Facebook um, images of 13, 14, 15-year-old kids going missing. And you're like, it does catch my attention, but they're, they're time-wasting. You know, they're taking away, they're taking away people from searching for things that, like, these are, these are having a laugh. There, there, was, there was something in um, a couple of years, two or three years ago, it was, it was to do with multi-story car parks and um, 
things that happen in there isn't like that so this is a phase it's hopefully it'll it'll pass relatively fast mm. wasn't there a punching one again at another stage where people were just digging each other one punch um, yeah because no the, the guards if you just work yeah. in the media you know that the guards are sending out notifications nearly every day of missing teenager here, missing teenager there, concern for a teenager as they would be. And they're from all over the country. And let us say some of them are legitimate, very legitimate. But some of them, you can almost predict the hour. Ah, They'll turn up now. Some of them, it happens more than once. Like There seems to be a cohort out there just messing, which is not right. Um, look, it's, it's, it, that, that, that too will pass. It's just, you know, uh, we have some of our lads, like in, in Mallow Search and Rescue, like we have about 25 members in the unit. There's a couple of our guys kind of very aware of what's going on when, when those posts come up. Because somebody will say, there's somebody missing from, we say, we'll just say, no, Wilton, there's somebody missing from Wilton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the story behind that. This is it. This is that and that. And we kind of go, right, so it's, it's nothing to do with us. But we get called by the guards, um, our family members. So, you know, that's that's the way it kind of operates with us. Mm. So while that is going on in the background and it is taking away some of the um, the work from the, the likes of the guards have to search these search these guys out, I suppose, and, and keep finding or trying to find them. Um, it's it's not something that concerns us too much at the moment. Yeah, you but, know? but there's definitely some kind of a trend. Lastly, yeah. just to wrap up, uh, yeah. Philip, yeah. to repeat that appeal, six months ago, John yeah. Keaveney went missing, vanished yeah. from the face of the earth, which we know doesn't happen, vanished from yeah. the face of the earth in the early hours of the morning. To anybody who might have the slightest notion that, yeah. come here, that didn't look right. If you were out walking your dog of a morning, that didn't look yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he might have sat down somewhere, you know, and, and again, he, like, he could have gotten a spin. Somebody could have picked him up, and maybe we're searching in the wrong place altogether. He might have gotten a spin somewhere. You know, somebody saw him and said, look, where, where, where are you going? Where are you? I don't know. Look, I know that Cahill, when he spoke to you, mentioned that they had a sighting out towards the airport road. Or, That's right, yeah. Or yeah soon, that, that I, I don't know if it was confirmed, but they certainly... It, well, it, you see, that was the thing. And again, you know, um, John's friend, when I was speaking to him around Christmas time, he said, like, he had walked the path from Centre Park Road area out to the area by the Kinsale Road. And he said, look, I was I was going well. I was, I was, I was plodding along well. And I would have barely made it in the time scale that between the time he was seen at Centre Park Road and let's just say by the airport road. But again, look, if the family thought for a second that he was after getting on a plane and going somewhere and that he'd turn up, maybe he's in Norway or something. Do you know? Um, That's that's a hope that they have. I suppose we just need to bring it back and ask everybody. Six months is a long time ago, but I mean, six months was last summer, during the summertime, long evenings. Um, somebody may have seen him, and that could actually steer the direction, right. the search in a different direction, I suppose, and that's what we're we're hoping for as well today. All right, oh. all right, Philip. And and as we say, you guys will go any minute or hour of the day or night, any day of the week, you'll go and follow a lead. Thanks very much, Philip Johnson, the diver with Mallow Search and Rescue. It says Mallow, but they go everywhere. And thank you guys for your service and for your work. And indeed, to the other uh, search and rescue groups around, thank you all for the work, the work that you're all doing to find others, and in particular to find uh, John Keaveney, who went missing six months ago, and there is no sign of him whatsoever.
Thanks for that message. Someone said here, there's a woman who runs the Wicklow Search and Rescue. She has cadaver dogs which can work on both land or water. Why not contact her and see if she has her name is Rachel Morris. Thank you for that. I'm pretty sure the lads know where the dogs are and can access them, but thank you for that. It's helpful. 0818 96 96 96. Now, we were talking last week about youngsters being attacked and beaten up and organised fights and other such things around Douglas. And we spoke to Michelle, who's a mum of a couple of teenagers and she's a Sinn Féin candidate in the local elections and she was telling us about what's been going on down there. Then this is on the Douglas Today Facebook group. Let me read you this. Now, you'd wonder what time of the day these things happen. Have a listen. Hi, all. My 15-year-old son was on the 207 bus this morning, Monday 29th, we assume of January, at 20 past 7, all by himself going to school in town. A lad asked him where he was from. When my son said, Douglas, this chap said he was going to kick his head in when he got off the bus. My son got off at Patrick Street as it was busiest. The boy followed him. When my son got to Merchant's Quay, the guy started beating him up. I'm talking to the guards, I'm talking to the school, I'm talking to Bus Aaron. The lad was wearing a green hoodie, four-line jacket. The hood was up. This was the first bus of the day. And he got on around Donnybrook, Douglas area. If anyone saw him, maybe they can help. Devastated here. God almighty. Lads, 20 past seven in the morning. Threatened, followed, and beaten up on Merchant's Quay at 20 past seven in the morning, just because he was from Douglas, coming into town on the 207. The chap had the presence of mind, having been threatened on the bus, to get off on Patrick Street because it was busy. Lad followed him off the bus and beat him up on Merchant's Quay. 29th January, 20 past seven in the morning. Barry O'Brien is uh, also a local election candidate for Fine Gael in the South East Ward. Barry, that's antisocial in Douglas we had last week, and, you, and there's a lot of it on. But this is someone being followed on a bus from Douglas to town and beaten up at 20 past 7 in the morning. What the hell is going on? Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thanks very much for, for having me on. Um, I'm saw the story the other day when it um when it broke and yeah first of all I just can't believe the amount of incidents 
that we're having um, recently, particularly around the Greater Douglas area. Um, I've been as a knocking on doors and meeting residents for I suppose, over the past number of months now, but it is the number one issue that's coming up. Uh, people don't feel safe anymore. Yeah, and there's, uh, there's obviously certain areas that are attracting this sort of activity, whether it be Douglas Park, whether it be Mangala, um, whether this was even outside of Tesco or Aldi, the shops in in Douglas, there has been a lot of incidents and, you know, these are only the ones that are being raised as well. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot of other stuff going on and a lot of intimidation happening as well and it just seems to be a trend that's been going on for the past number of months. Mm. We hear about things happening in places like the Mangala and, and generally, Barry, they happen evening time. And as we come into the spring and the early summer, the evenings will be getting longer. And as Michelle said to me last week, parents will be worried now about their teenagers. But what's jumping off this page at me is 20 past seven in the morning on the first bus to town, followed and beaten up on Merchant's Quay after he just said he was from Douglas. Absolutely. So just as you're saying about as the evenings are getting longer, I suppose the Mangala is always... It has always kind of attracted some form of antisocial uh, behaviour because I suppose the lights in there are timed, and you know they will go off at ten o'clock. And after right. that, right. it yeah, it um, it's particularly from the Douglas side of it. It's not, not so much up to Danny, but side, but more the Douglas side of it. There has been a lot of incidents, but just like you're saying, yeah, that um, that yeah, that schoolboy who was who was attacked in in the morning. Do you know I um, I went to school in town myself. I got to, and went to college in town as well. I used to get the bus. Um, every single day of the week, and just, that was never, never the case. And I don't know what's made it acceptable now that things like this can happen. Particularly, you know, twenty past seven in the morning, you would associate this with, you know, nighttime. People might even, you know, there's underage drinking or something. But this is the first spot in the morning, as you said. Yeah. And he was wearing a big hoodie. He'd the hood up, and as he followed our victim around the corner. He kept his hood up, so clearly he knew how to evade CCTV because there's plenty of it around there. There is, and you know they would have it on the bus. There would be houses even up in Donnybrook where he apparently um, got on the bus as well, and the town as well would be covered with CCTV. So he definitely, you know, I suppose in a lot of these cases, it's not their first time either. Yeah. They, um, so they, they do know how to uh, how to avoid it, or mm. sometimes it doesn't even matter. They don't even care if they get caught. No. I'm a resident, long-time resident of Douglas, as I'm sure you know, Barry, and we know that there's a fantastic Garda station up there that I've said many times. I was there for the official opening long ago when John the Bulldog, who was Minister of Justice, that'll tell you how long ago it was. I remember thinking at the time, the FBI would be proud of this place, and yet there don't be a sinner in it half the time. Most of the guards are out in Toker, and it has to be said, the youngsters know that. Absolutely, no, I see something I've always believed in, I've lived in Douglas my entire life, I think it is a disgrace at that station. It's it's only open sixteen hours a week over seven days. That's it's four hours, um, four days a week. It's open. It, you know, it's not good enough. It, people know that, and when it is open, it's probably somebody in there doing some admin. They're not actually. There's no guards around Douglas on the beat. I don't remember ever seeing any guards around Douglas on the beat. To be honest, you might see a squad car driving in and out of the station, but there'll never be somebody on the beat. It's um. Yeah, it's just it, it's, it's a shame, but it just highlights I suppose, the lack of resources that we do have, and it does that is something that has to be has to be addressed. Um, like you said, what, what's the point of having that station if we're not going to fully manage and have it up and running? 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it might as well be closed down. If it's open for 16 hours a week, that's barely enough time to sign a few passports. Barry, this is going to be, I know Michelle was a candidate that was on last week, and you're also a candidate. This is going to be a big local election issue in the area. It is, and rightly so. Um, you know, if you don't feel safe where you live, then you know, I don't know what other issues would top that, really. Um, this is going to be something that is it is coming up on the doors anyway, and people are scared to go out, whether it's... It, you know, there's elderly people living alone that are scared of going out, and there's also people afraid about their kids going down to Douglas, which, you know, I suppose it always would have been an issue, but it never would have been as bad as I've seen it now. And people are rightly concerned about it, and absolutely something will have to be done. All right, Barry, thank you. That's uh, Barry O'Brien, who will be a Fine Gael candidate in the local elections in the South East Ward. Someone said it to me, or asked me, the last week or so, we heard us talking about this. PJ, you live in Douglas. Is it gone very rough? Is Douglas... It would seem to be Douglas has gone very rough. I'm particularly shocked, though, at, at that one. I mean, we know there's trouble in the Mangala in the evenings, and we know the community park in the evenings to be a bit of colourful activity there from time to time, down there by the Little River. See a lot going on. But this one, this one has knocked me for six, and I don't shock easy. Um... This stage, I've seen pretty much everything. 15-year-old on the first bus in the morning to town. Targeted, threatened on the bus, followed off the bus, down to Merchant's Quay, beaten up on his way to school. I wonder how he is. That was the 29th of, of, um, of January. If his mom or dad listening. I'd love to know how he is and, and do you know any more at this stage? You found out what happened. 0818 96 96 96. We have a serious problem. Kate wonders, why does everything have to be centralised now to Toker with modern technology? They should be able to coordinate people with phones and all of that. Bill says that man has a terrible cheek, isn't his party in power and have been for the last couple of years and indeed since the foundation of the state they've been in power a lot of the time. Fair point, Bill. Fair point. Barry's a new candidate. I suppose he he has he's young and fresh and wants to bring new ideas to it. But look, at the moment he's just talking as well like a Douglas resident. Uh, same as Michelle last week talking as a Douglas resident with three teenage kids of her own. Do you know? But I take your point, Bill, and thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with the Furniture Centre Watercourse Road Blackpool for sofas, beds, kitchen, dining, and mattresses. Over forty five years in business. TheFurnitureCentre.ie. Ninety six FM. The word is your chance to win free money on Corks ninety six FM. Listen to Lorraine and Ross in the morning and all day to play our big cash giveaway. We've taken banter bits from the breakfast show and bleeped out a word. And out a word. It's doing my headache. I'm actually going to start playing. I'm going demented with this. All you have to do is tell us the word. Tell us the word. For your chance to win the cash. Listen after 8, 11, 2 and 5 weekdays To play The Word The Word Only 
on Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. So there's a little girl in y'all. She's very, very tiny. She's only two months old now and she was born six weeks preemie. So she's really only a few weeks old. Her name is... Uh, Haley Ray. Uh, she was born on the 29th November of 2023 and she has a number of very serious heart conditions and her family have launched GoFundMe because she needs a lot of medical treatment. Now look, there's a lot of these out there. We don't do them all. But Kelly, we said we'd focus on your one for a few minutes this morning. How, how, well, how is Haley Ray as we speak? Good morning. Good morning, um, PJ. Um, she's okay. Um, I suppose it's really day to day with her, you know. Um, obviously she can stop breathing at any stage or she can have her synatic spell, she can go blue, you know. So like it, it is it's day to day and I suppose like the doctors have told us we kind of have to go back into COVID times. Um, she's not allowed um, be around any of her like family members or anything like that because if she does get a cold like it could kill her you know or she could end up in ICU over it mm. She has a number of different heart conditions most of them with long unpronounceable names but she's just a very very sick little baby Yes, she is. Um, and I suppose, obviously, they were asking me, like, when I was pregnant with her, um, was, like, was there any concerns of anything when she was in the womb? And they, they told me the only problem that she did have was her growth, that everything else was fine, like, that they did, they didn't actually find this, anything wrong with her until she came out and she was born. Yeah. You know, you have to watch her, not just day to day, hour to hour. Like what what can happen at any given time? Um, so at any given time, so like you have to really watch her mouth just in case it starts going blue and um, the tugging of her breathing. Um, she can start seriously tugging and kind of like you will see it from her ribs. Um, obviously, we've been trained now to do CPR on her. It mm. needs to be done um yeah like She's no so mother tiny. or father yeah and that's what i was saying to them when i did leave with her you know i was like oh god like i i don't know how i suppose i would do this but they said like you're you're as a mother your instincts will just kick in and mm-hmm. you will do it no matter what like mm. you will just do it you know uh, so. i know you have a big meeting coming up uh, is it tuesday with the doctors because she yes. needs an operation it's an operation you don't even know if it'll be successful but she has to have it yes she has to have it um pj um so we will know a lot more on tuesday um what i do know of this operation it is going to be very complicated because of the heart defects that she does have um so like i suppose it's her main artery that they're going to have to go at um so it is that that's all i know as of now that it is going to be a very long operation and very complex as well and she might not even come out of it is that a reality yes yeah and that that's reality you know that that's just the reality of us right now as a family 
How do you live with that? You know, and I, 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 I don't know. I have three other boys as well, and I suppose I'm just we're just day to day at the moment. Mm-hmm. She's facing even if this operation, and we hope it is, even if it is a success. She has a very long, very hard road ahead of her anyway. Yes, so this isn't the end. Um, This won't be the last operation. Um, As she grows, obviously your heart grows when you're a child. So whatever tubes or anything that they do have to put into her heart, they will eventually have to be changed, PJ. Um, So... I'm just trying, I suppose for myself now and my family, I'm just trying to get to the operation date, as the doctor says, as safely as possible for her right Mm. now. You'll have this meeting Tuesday, but so far, and we know that there's no words to describe how brilliant the doctors are in Crumlin. They work miracles every hour of the day, not just every day of the week. Incredible. Yeah. Yes. And what's he saying? He's kind of saying, I suppose I can do this. It's risky, but I can do this. Is that what he's saying to you? Um, no, um, no, not really. He he hasn't he hasn't like the words haven't came out of his mouth yet. That okay, we're we're able to just bring her in and do this. No, no. they they do really need a big meeting about this. And um, that meeting obviously is held on the twenty seventh. Okay. So whatever is going to come out of that meeting, all like I did ask him straight out. I said like is she going to need this surgery? And he said, yes, without a doubt, she needs surgery. Um, and it's obviously going to be open heart surgery. So um, they keep her sedated then as well after, afterwards, like so she'll be in a induced coma as well. Wow. So she'll be in Crumlin for a long time. Yes, yeah. You're going to have to go there and pretty much stay there, aren't you? Yes, yeah, so um, myself and my husband, um, we're, we're like we have three boys at home. So yeah. we're, our our plan as of now is we're going to do the first kind of week together, um, just to know that she's stable and she doesn't take any turns and stuff. And then obviously we're gonna have to start coming home to the boys as well. Yeah, how old are you they? Um, seven, five, and two, PJ. And two of them have autism, but one of them is severely autistic. So, so we kind of have to, you know, we we couldn't leave them for long. Seven year old even have the has he any understanding of what's my my seven year old? Okay, is asking questions and as to why like Haley has to keep going into hospital and. Yeah, he is starting to ask, but my five-year-old, no, he has no understanding whatsoever. How are you holding it together? Um, I'm not. <laughs> I don't, well, I'm trying, I'm trying. Mm. A lot of people thinking of you this morning. John Cove says, I, I just want to make sure that Kelly knows there are people thinking of her. It's terrible to hear of little innocent children suffering like this. Doing CPR on your own baby, Kelly, I, I know that you've been taught. Have you had to do it? Um, no, well, no. Um, she came out of hospital um, from the NICU actually and obviously she was on her heart failure medications like such as diuretics and stuff 
And two days after we had her home, now the doctor did say to me before leaving, he said, I will give you 48 hours at home with her and that be it, like you will be straight in. And he wasn't wrong. She took a bad turn on us at about, I think it was two and a half days we were home so we kind of had to get her into the position as in like they've showed us a position to put her legs up and hold her in a place like you have to really push her legs up to her head say and let the blood like flow quicker it's meant to help with the blood flow um so we've kind of had to do that while we were waiting for the ambulance um her and the first responders and her breathing was just horrific um, so obviously we did spend a lot more time in hospital than after that episode. Yeah. Um, you have to bend her, you have to bend her little legs up, right up, so that up, that yes, takes the blood right out up. of the legs and keeps all the blood. Oh my God, the thoughts yes. of it. The thoughts. So of you it. kind of have to keep the blood flowing until somebody gets to you, such as first responders, ambulances, yes. or. You know, we're never allowed to just get into a car and go. We were told that's the one thing never to do. Okay. You just, one of us work with her and the other then just call the ambulance. And, yeah. Wow. Now, if she can have this operation and if it's a success, will that end the need to do terrible things like that or is it just the beginning of the road? Um, this is only the beginning of the road, PJ. Yeah, it's only the beginning for us. Yeah. Who's looking after you? And what's your husband's name? Um, Aaron. Aaron. Well, who's looking after you and Aaron? Ourselves. Um, my mother. She's been amazing through this. Um, yeah. They're like we were just trying to get by now, day to day, PJ. And I suppose I had loads of people asking me to set up a GoFundMe just so they could help in any little bit. And normally we we don't, PJ, it's not something we do. But like I'm out of work, he's out of work. And obviously that that is a struggle right now for us. Of course it is. With none of us working. um, And obviously with what's going on, neither of us can go back to work just yet. No. Well, the GoFundMe is up there. If you go into GoFundMe and just search for Haley Ray, that's H-A-Y-L-E-I-G-H-R-A-E, it it will come up. There's about 3,000 in it. This is to get you up and down to Dublin repeatedly, to try to accommodate you, to try to get... She's going to need certain medications. We're going to share that on all of our platforms our Twitter to start with and, and others besides and people can share it forward because you're going to need a lot of support you're going to need a lot of help Thank I hope that so meeting on Tuesday goes well I hope it goes well I really do as well thank you so much you look after yourself and look after that gorgeous I will, of course. cheers Kelly Kelly Keneally where do you go from there 0818 96 96 96 join the conversation this is the opinion line with the furniture center watercourse road blackpool for sofas beds kitchen dining and mattresses over 45 years in business the furniture center.ie the minds are live Hello. join the conversation call 0818 96 96 96 text or whatsapp 083 396 96 96 email opinion at 96fm.ie this is the opinion line with PJ Coogan Coogan yeah we have shared that GoFundMe to get help 
for little Haley Ray and her family. Um, we'll podcast that interview a bit later as well. It kind of brings you crashing down to earth, doesn't it? Given what we were reporting earlier in the hour about the youngsters and the trouble and the kids being beaten up in Douglas and one young fellow being followed off the bus and beaten up in the city at 7.20 in the morning and whatever the hell was going on up in Nottingham last night and missiles being thrown at the guards and the first responders. John and Cove says, what a difference between the scum causing trouble on the streets and then that story about a, a family and dealing with this awful illness in a tiny, tiny child. Yes, John, well said, well said. 0818969696, the number, the text to WhatsApp, 083. 396-9696 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie that is one of the best ways for you to bring something to our attention if your person who listens back to us on podcast to any one of our we could do half a dozen or more podcasts a day and of course the whole show goes up too if you're listening back to us on podcast and something comes to mind you'd like to bring up or indeed if there's something we've completely forgotten that you think we should be talking about whatever the hell it is uh, let us know at opinion at 96fm.ie. This program is more about you than it is about us. Uh, we just give you an idea where the conversation is going. You're the ones who start and join it. I'm going to give you something now, which is an article that was written in The Examiner by a guy called Simon Tierney. He's a writer and broadcaster, and he has two small children. And I'm going to go through this article without... I'm trying not to at least pass comment myself. I'm going to throw it open to you. Uh, this is for you, particularly if you're the parent of small children who, you know, you like to read them a bedtime story. And you might reach for a classic fairy tale or a classic children's storybook like this, like Roald Dahl or maybe if they're slightly older, Enid Blyton or the Anderson's fairy tales or the, the Grimm's fairy tales, whatever they might be. You'd reach for a fairy tale or an old story to read to your children. Simon Tierney has been writing, and this is in The Examiner, he said, when the big bad wolf bears his ganachers and devours granny, I find myself flipping over the page before my daughter realizes this bloodbath that has just taken place. I've read Little Red Riding Hood to her countless times, but it's one example of many fairy tales that I struggle to relay faithfully during the bedtime ritual. He says, these stories can leave conscientious parents in a conundrum. And Simon writes that he regularly changes stories when he's reading to his kids. He lets out key scenes, he changes certain characters. Some people might think this is unnecessary and say, God forbid that it's all very woke. Let the wolf eat, eat granny. It's just a story. But he said that's unhelpful and judgmental. And he believes that what a child hears read to them actually matters. He says there are two stories that he constantly censors or changes for his children. One is Hansel and Gretel. The other is the gingerbread man. It reminds us that Hansel and Gretel ends with Gretel shoving witch into the oven. In other words, the story ends with an elderly woman burning to death. He refers to the gingerbread man um, 
and says that the wolf gorges on our hero a sudden, brutal, and it leaves the reader bereft. He says, I can't find a way to tell this part of the story to a three-year-old without it being very upsetting. He's not finished yet. He moves on to other stories like royal figures, princes and princesses, how they're always heroes. He, he talks about the classic version of Cinderella, which was written in 1697 now, he says. That the prince rampages through the city, trying the glass slipper on any woman he sees, in the assumption that he can marry whoever the shoe should fit. And he says this is the arrogance of monarchy. But it's rarely questioned. And he says despite the fact that many of us have an aversion to monarchy these days, a lot of our little children are pretending to be princesses and they play dress up and put on tiaras. And he says this comes back to fairy tales and how those characters are portrayed. There's more. Snow White is described as having lips as red as the rose, hair as black as ebony, skin as white as snow. In the Rapunzel, she's beautiful and blonde, and of course, she's saved by a prince. Snow White is a damsel in distress brought back to life by a charming prince. Problem is this, he says, I don't want princes and princesses to be my children's role model. There's a little more. Bear with He says, the portrayal of girls and women in some fairy tales is outdated. And it doesn't adhere to what he says are contemporary values of equality. And then he says, when I tell my children the Cinderella story, the prince isn't a prince, just a regular layman who happens to own a a huge house through his own hard work rather than royal privilege. Okay. Um, Now, others will argue that he is sanitizing traditional children's books. He doesn't agree, because there are certain books that many people just simply wouldn't dream of showing to their kids nowadays. Look, as I said, I've done my best to pass no comment on this. It certainly is a talking point, though. Do you, would you, should you take the fairy stories and old tales that we've been telling our children for generations, he reminds us in the article that Cinderella was written by someone called Charles Perris. No, I haven't heard of them. They're probably not raised again. In, in 1697. Right, that's a long time ago. Should we be changing them now for a more modern world? I'm going to throw the lines open to you on that. I, I will be talking to Alexandra in a little while, and I know, I'm told, because she sent us a picture of it, she has thrown a book out already. So I'll take that I'll take that call in a wee while. But <laughs> Joe, um, Joseph, morning, sir. Good morning, PJ, my friend. How are you? I'm very well. What do you think of this? Um, coming in this morning, I was thinking, oh, my God, are people going crazy changing fairy tales? Because that's what they are. They're actually fairy tales. It's not true life, you know what I mean? Mm. And... You know, Jack and Jill going up the hill, fetching a pail of water, all those things. But there that you were saying is about the wolf, I was getting a bit of the heebie-jeebies myself. I suppose, you know, there is, you know, it's, I can't say, if you tell the child maybe before you tell the story, this is a fairy tale, this isn't true life. But I don't know, I, I think to me, 
there is there is room for doubt now, which I didn't have mm. before, because mm. I was in the bookstore yesterday. A woman brought up the same topic. I said, you were the buy in the radar. I know your eyes. Oh, she said, the world has gone mad now. They're trying to change fairy tales. Mm. She says, for example, or Simon says, for example, Hansel and Gretel ends with an elderly woman burning to death. You wouldn't look at it that way, would you? No, because I always saw her as the baddie. So it was a good ending, you know what I mean? They got rid of a bad person. Mm. Now, Swall and Poets and Granny, I'm not so sure. And what the wolf was doing in, in wearing women's clothes anyway is another thing. But sure, you know what I mean? It's, it's, I suppose Swall and Granny getting a hatchet is quite severe to a child. Because I even know as a child, I, I, I fantasised about being a prince. Mm. For instance, I had, a, I had a, a king and the whole thing, and I thought... Yeah, he has a fabulous. real problem. He has a real problem with that, uh, where he quotes <laughs> Snow White and Rapunzel, both saved by handsome princes. Yeah, but isn't that just a fantasy? And isn't it a great fantasy to have if you're in maybe in a, in a sad situation at home or something like that, and you can get lost in that fantasy. Yeah. No, I remember having a, a you know, what I think it could have been Prince Philip or something, but he was in all his regalia up on the wall. Now, can you imagine that in our house? But that's another story. And I tell my mother, I'm going to marry a prince. Oh, she said, a boy can't marry a boy. Little did you know, of course, there's another fairy tale. <laughs> but, yeah. my thing is that, it's fantasy. It's you know, it got me into a little world of my own, and I got lost in it. Yeah. And I don't think you know a child dressed up and pretending she's a princess is any harm because when she gets to teenager, she faced the real world soon enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and there's and a thing, Joe. The real world joy. isn't. The real world is not a nice place. And if children want no. to go to certain happy places when they're little children, who cares if that happy place isn't true? That's what I. That's what I say. You know, my sisters always tell me. She had a fantasy about that too, that she would belong to somebody else and they'd come and rescue her and she'd, she'd live happily ever after. You know, from reading stories, she got lost in storybooks as a child. She loved fairy tales. Mm. Mm. And I, I, I certainly what, think, what, you know, it's. What would the pantomime industry do? It's a very do hard PC world at the moment, PJ, you know what I mean? Mm. And we're living in a very tough world at the moment and when kids will realise soon enough how tough it is. Yeah. Is it any harm going to bed? Now, Maybe pick the, the fairy tale you want to tell. Maybe the wolf, about the wolf is a bit tough. Yeah, but I, you I, see, you know, I, I wonder, I wonder, is Daddy here overthinking it? Yeah. D- d- does the child go to sleep thinking that the goodies beat the baddies and that was the end of that? Or did the child go to sleep worrying about the old woman burning in the oven? Yeah. You know, which, which one did the child go to sleep thinking about? No, I think the, the fantasy one out that, you know, the baddie is gone. Yeah, it tells yeah. the story of good and evil. And also, remember when we were kids, please, I wouldn't see them on the radio now, but remember the rhymes we used to be saying? I do, we I do. We had a clue. We hadn't a clue we what didn't. we were saying. We didn't, indeed. It's huge ignorance, you know what I mean? I see my light starting to light up here. Joe, just before I let you go, and we may talk again between now and Easter, you're doing the Easter eggs again. You're filling the salon with Easter eggs. Usual, um, Peter, yeah, we we're taking collection here for Dale House, Coonley, Refuge, Penny Dinners, and there's one or two schools that we look after too. So anyone that wants to drop us in a few Easter eggs, we'd be delighted. All right. Good man. And we'll talk more before between now and Easter about that. The great Joe. Joe Bourne from Joseph's Hair Salon in, in Lashim. Just wanted to kick that one off with Joe. 
Another one that Simon Tierney writes about in his article is the Richard Scarry stories. Now, pretty much everyone's house had a Richard Scarry book in it. And he wrote wonderful stories about animals. And he gave the animals names and voices. Wonderful, colourful, beautifully written stories. But Simon Tierney has a big problem with that because in his Mr. Piggy stories and Mrs. Piggy stories, they eat sausages. And he finds himself explaining to his children that this isn't really sausage at all. Because this is cannibalism. Like, okay. All right. Your thoughts, please, on it. Mary Higgins, good morning to you. Hello. How are you, PJ? Would you like to say? Um, I just think it's stark raving. Like, these stories are an essential part of bringing up your children. They teach them imagination. They teach them about danger. They, t- Like, you know, even who, who ever watched Chishy Chishy Bang Bang? Chishy, chishy, bang, bang, and that child catcher did more for stranger danger than any child protection thing that you ever saw your man catching. That's actually a fantastic idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, in they're talking there about um, Little Red Riding Hood. What did she do on the way through the woods? She told the wolf where she was going. Mm-hmm. And he was there waiting for her when she got there. Mm-hmm. So don't talk to strangers. Keep your mouth shut and go about your business. You know what I mean? And now, in fairness, in the one I would have read to my children, Granny was in a wardrobe, and then you had the good woodcutter as well coming in. So, you know, mm-hmm. that even if you do something wrong and talk to the one person, hopefully there will be somebody there to rescue you in the end. And mm-hmm. those princesses, okay, as a child, we believed that we had the power to kiss a frog and he'd turn into a prince. They were the ultimate girl power women. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. She fell in love with an ugly, ugly man that just turned out to be a prince. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, See, doesn't it very much like, depend, Mary, on how you interpret fairness, the words? I, I actually read that article yesterday and it was very... He said, sometimes we need to alter them for the greater good of the child. And I will absolutely agree. But sometimes I needed to scare the absolute living daylights out of particularly a couple of my boys to mm. to kind of teach them like that, you know, read a, quite a scary story or something like that and you could make it quite worse. Now, like I know, you know, they're talking about the gingerbread man, like mm. in fairness that he, you know, that he got eaten up. He was going to be eaten anyway. He came out of a hot oven. He was either going to go into a shop window and get picked up and eaten by whoever bought him Except he came to life and got eaten by a fox instead. Like, he's a biscuit. In fairness, get real. It's a story. You know? Yeah. It's, um, I, for God's sake, you know, yeah. it teaches imagination. As I said, the girl power, uh, you know. You come, on, power come on to the, and, to the princesses. And look, how, yeah. and, look, and look how, but look, look how hard those princesses had to fight. Now, you come on to the handsome princesses and he talks about both Rapunzel and Snow White being saved by handsome princesses. And yet there's a thought that must be expressed. Or handsome princess, rather. Well, Snow White, Rapunzel, Sleeping Beauty, we're all saved by men. We don't need men, saving but, with but us I'm women. Sorry. Should we not have higher standards for our little girls? That's fine. But they were saved by men who had to go through burning forests, try on shoe. Well, um, your man in Cinderella got off a bit lightly, but like the fella in... Sleeping Beauty had to fight through a forest of thorns and you know what I mean? We had they they worked. They weren't throwing themselves at the feet of these people, these princesses. Mm. 
Like he says, he says that he doesn't want princes and princesses to be his children's role model. And he he seems to take great offence to children asking or be very concerned when children ask to see Frozen again. Yeah, well, like as I say, we all believe. But you see, we all believed. It, it gives you a sense that you can do anything. And as, as far as I said, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Like, what one of us didn't stand? Well, as a girl, like definitely stand at our mother's dressing table. She was getting ready to go out for a dance, and we thought she was the most beautiful person on the planet. Yeah, you know what I mean. Beauty, like to a child, beauty is very, mm. and like dressing up in a dress, like and now we. Like, I would always temper. We must, like, kind of thing. Oh, my goodness. Imagine having to wear those silly dresses all day long and you wouldn't be able to run and you wouldn't. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. like, but don't kill the underlying message. Yeah. For God's sake. You you, you mentioned that you sometimes have changed your own children's stories. What ones would you have changed? What, What would you have changed and why would you change it? I suppose I'd have been a bit more graphic. Maybe one of my lads would have been just kind of maybe... I won't say rein them back a bit, but kind of be kind of more aware of, of danger, of particularly now running away. A child that would kind of, you know what I mean, as I say, go to a shop and next thing you're looking for them everywhere for the next, you know, and your heart is in your mouth and you don't know where they're gone and you're trying to keep them next to you while you're picking up your bits and pieces or whatever. <laughs> so, like, I would use a story about a child running away that didn't really end up too well maybe or make it I, like have, you. I have you I have you know that kind of thing yeah. like just to kind of realise that if you run away from the person who's minding you, you there could be bad consequences to that yeah that's an interesting take on it and the whole strange danger a lot of stranger danger taught through the medium of fairy tales thanks for that Mary this article by the way by Simon Tierney appeared in the examiner's lifestyle pages Esther McCarthy actually is doing a great job there as the editor of lifestyle, so really good stuff going into it. Well done, Esther. Um, and that's an article by, by by Simon Tierney about how he's if you, if you in case you've just popped in a bit a bit late, he's writing about how he changes stories that he's reading to his children at bedtime because he himself is very uncomfortable with the content. For example, he he talks about changing the end of Hansel and Gretel because the end of it, as written in the fairy tale was that Gretel shoved the witch into the oven and therefore the story ends, as he says, with an elderly woman burning to death. He changes the gingerbread man because, well, our hero gets eaten and it's brutal and can leave a young reader bereft, in his view. He really has a problem with princes and princesses, particularly princes, I think, always being the heroes. Snow White, Pondle, them are always saved by a handsome prince. He has a go at Disney for really, as he says, preserving the idea of monarchy. And he has completely rewritten Cinderella for his own children in that he doesn't talk about a prince running... Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Around the town at Last Slipper, trying to fit it on every woman he sees fit in the hope he can go and marry whichever one he chooses that the slipper fits. That's how he thinks of it. He says, no, this is just a man who through hard work, an ordinary fella who through hard work has built his own big house and his own big business rather than royal privilege. But he's still running around the town then, isn't he? Trying on a glass slipper on unsuspecting women. I'm taking your thoughts on it and doing my level best to keep my own out of it because it's a long time since I read my children fairy tales, to be honest. Fairy tales, says this one, this message, have really been softened up in the past few hundred years. The real ones were beyond belief how graphic and how violent they were. So anyone given out about wokeness has already engaged in it by reading the stories that they think are the original. <laughs> Don't put an adult mind into a child's imagination, says Lisa. Yeah, and I'm thinking, Lisa, um, even though you're only three or four, do you, you know, don't you, that it's all a story, a fairy tale, once upon a time? Don't, we, don't they know? I don't know. I'd love to talk to a psychologist about that. And then we're reminded of the nursery rhymes. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men had scrambled egg for breakfast again. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, watercourse with Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Cork's 96 we're talking about an article in the Examiner's Lifestyle section written by writer and broadcaster Simon Tierney about how he changes fairy stories and bedtime tales for his children. He doesn't read them as they were written. He feels that there's a lot wrong with them the way they were written. So he changes them to suit the values with which he wants to raise his children. It's one particular one that I, I like in the article. I don't like it. I just It just jumped out at me. He said, we love Richard Scarry's books. Now, they're beautiful books about children, for children, about animals, animals with voices and lives, and they're lovely. But the ones that have pigs in them, <laughs> he points out that the pig characters, Mr. Piggy and Mr. Piggy, Mrs. Piggy, that they all eat Sausages. And he says this is a weird cannibalistic odyssey. He said Mr. and Mrs. Piggy are happily munching away on their own brethren during a family picnic. And he says, I find myself explaining to my girls that this isn't actually sausage at all, but some other magic sausage-shaped pork-free alternative. Because the truth, he says, is just grotesque. And then he makes a point... He says, kids are logical. If pigs eat sausages of made out of pigs, then do humans eat human sausages? Let's not go there. Now, my one point I'll make there is I don't think anybody was going there, Simon. 
until you went there and you forced the rest of us to go there. But there you are. Your thoughts are welcome at 0818969696. Now, Alexandra, you've gone so far as to already throw out one of your children's books. Morning. Hi, PJ. Good morning. How are you? Uh, yes, I recently threw away a book because I, I I don't like throwing stuff away. I usually give them to charity and stuff, but I just didn't want that book to end up in another child's hand because um, I thought the ending of it, it was... Um, very unsuitable for a for a child or even for like like a young adult mm. because um, it was a classic um, Little Mermaid tale, but the ending was a twist. <laughs> now I understand that not everything has to have a happy ending. However, this was like a very clear allusion to suicide. Basically, and on last pages, she is very distressed and very upset because the prince left to get married with uh, w- with somebody else. Yes. It was like her life is not worth living anymore. Yeah, and I have failed. Uh, the, la- the last page, as you sent it to yeah. us, said, I have failed, thought the little mermaid, tears streaming down her cheeks. Come to us, sang the ocean spray. Forever, whispered the foaming surf. The sea rose up around the little mermaid and she disappeared into the welcoming waves. What was particularly wrong with that, Alexandra? I thought it, to me at least, it sounded like a clear reference to suicide. But a mermaid is from the sea, so the sea was inviting her home. It is, however, at that point, like if you read the, the, the book, at that point she was a human, she was no longer a, a mermaid. So it, it was after she was um, okay. transformed into a human, she was a human, she tried to pursue her love with the prince. Of course. She did not succeed. So she was still a human. And they said, come back to us. And she, yeah. yeah, the human, okay, the human was lost. But, lost. Human, so you, did, you, know, you decided you didn't want your little girl to, to read that? She was actually very upset herself. She said, oh, why, where, what, you know, because she was familiar with the classic one, let's say. And, um... Well, this is the new now, version of it, yeah? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And I understand not every tale has to have a happy ending or, like, I, I don't want to create that illusion that, uh, oh, everything in, li- in life is uh, pink and fairy tale and whatever. Understood. However, um, I just thought it was kind of, um, it was unsuitable for a, for a small child. Um, and there's many, many books that uh, I, I read the article and uh, it was talking about these parents, um um, altering the stories for their kids when they read them and I do the same I must be honest I do the same like there's many things that I alter for if they don't align with uh, the values uh, of my parenting for example mm. if, and would you align like a classic story like say Little Red Riding Hood yes I would I why, would. why, why <laughs> would you and that's a, that's a tale as they say a tale as old as time why would you change that one Alexandra Again, because I think it's a lot of unwarranted violence. Like we teach, I teach my kids to, like when she has an issue with somebody, to not resort to violence straight off, to try to, let's say, find a different way, you know, like uh, to talk to, um, you know, there are different ways in, in which we can pursue justice, not necessarily being violent. So this is like what I'm trying to teach my kids. To not resort to violence straight, you know, like straight away. 
like when I um, read this story, Little Red Riding Hood, um, I would say that the, um, the hunter came and uh, he trapped the wolf. Uh, he brought him back to the forest, you know. Do, do you so leave out the, all the classic lines about, oh, what big teeth you have, Granny, all the better to eat you with? Do you leave that no, out? No? No, that no, that no, because I think they find it kind of funny, you know, because it's like, oh, right. is this Granny or is this a wolf? You know. But, so but, I, but then the hunter comes and doesn't kill the wolf, traps the no. wolf. <laughs> yeah, traps the wolf and releases his back into the wild and tells him that that wasn't nice and whatever, you know. Like, so. <laughs> and why, why do you think that that's better than the original ending where they all lived happily ever after? Uh, well, they didn't live all happily ever after because the wolf died, so he didn't <laughs> live happily ever after. <laughs> I see, I see your point. And so, you, you think, so Alexandra, that the, some of the old stories written hundreds of years ago, many of them, they're just not suitable for that's the way it. you want that's to raise it. your little girls. That's it. That's exactly it. And I remember, for example, going to the Panto last year, we went to see Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. And um, I was kind of nervous and stuff, but I loved what they did with it and how they um, they rewrote it. And basically... It wasn't a damsel in distress, sleeping, like with no consent, being kissed, being whatever, and being saved. Mm. Like they put a twist on it. Now I don't want to spoil any surprises if anybody's going to see that. But But I love how they put a twist on it. And uh, she was as fierce as the the prince, and she saved him. And, you know, like. I understand. I understand. The modernization for a way we think differently in the world. But then children will grow up and they will form their own views of the world regardless of what we do with the bedtime stories we tell them correct and i do think that uh, uh, bedtime stories like with uh, good and bad characters are important for their development it teaches kids from a very young age to distinguish between good and bad and taking good decisions taking bad decisions like they, they do have a value it's just i don't think we need to go into the let's say Violent, grotesque <laughs> Did you retell a Spider-Man story? I did, and there was just some lines in the in the book uh, where um, we love all the like superheroes and things and stuff. But then they were describing some of the other characters from uh, like from the story of Spider-Man, and they were t- talking about uh, Pepper Potts why she got the nickname Pepper, and it was it had to do with her. Uh, of freckles and I don't know what and they were kind of objectifying her let's say <laughs> and I did not necessarily like that either <laughs> you know you can say I'm very picky no so I, I, I think you have an interesting story. take on this as someone who read bedtime stories of my own children although it's 20 years ago now I don't remember ch- changing too many of them but see, clearly it seems to be a thing with parents. We'll throw it out there for what listeners think. Alexandra, thank you very much. No problem, PJ. Lovely talking to you. Bye. Bye bye. Lovely talking to you too. There's a parent who is consciously changing the stories she tells her kids at night and has actually thrown out a book, this modern version of The Little Mermaid, because she felt she felt it was almost promoting suicide. Uh 
Jesus PJ says N. Your man who wants to change stories should rewrite his own story and just get a life. He's I'm speaking about Simon Tierney who wrote the article that started all this in the Examiner of the Lifestyle section. He's read too much into it. Feckin' Egypt. I bought four DVDs, says Anne, of Frozen. My children watched it so much they wore them out. They're grown up now, but they still watch it. Let kids be kids. And the gingerbread man, he gets eaten because that's what happens to gingerbread. <laughs> Mary says, I can't wait to see what your man writes when his daughters are watching Love Island. Give me Frozen any day. Someone else here is saying that is helicopter parenting at its best, at its worst. Kids don't play the blindest bit of attention to the horror element of the story. Their brains are developing. Yeah. One thing that particularly Simon takes on is the whole role of princes and handsome princes coming to the aid of the damsel in distress. And a Many women would look upon that and say, well, we didn't need saving. We don't need men, let alone handsome princes coming to save us. And I note that Alexander was talking about Sleeping Beauty. And there's never even arose in my thought process that Sleeping Beauty, that there's a consent discussion around Sleeping Beauty in 2024. No, I'm sorry, I had never heard that before in my life, and I've had the consent discussion on this program many times in the past 10 years. John, children's stories. I know you don't have children, but would you alter them if you were reading them stories? Well, I had a kid in my life for a couple of years, and oh, did I, did do the whole bit, yeah, I did do the whole bedtime story for some time, and I see no problem with it. I think this is absolute insanity. Look, this guy is entitled to his opinion, but please don't be trying to fight it on the rest of us, right? The children have been read bedtime stories for years, fairy stories, whatever. And it has done generations no harm. They didn't turn out to be uh, Hannibal Lecter's or, or Jeffrey Damler's or whatever, and serial killers. I mean, these are just stories, that's that. And this whole idea of, it's nothing to do about admiring the monarchy or royalty. It's just about little girls, little boys, princes, princesses. You see, they go to parties, they dress up to whole lot. It's all about being a child. And I'm sick and tired of this attack on childhood that you must change everything. You must almost, your kids must nearly come out of the womb now completely formed as fully-fledged teenagers and t- take on the world. I'm sorry, you're a child and that's it. And like, you know, look at all the cartoons for years from me they were watching there. Tom and Jerry. Look at the violence in Tom and Jerry. I loved Tom and Jerry and yeah, I still yeah. watch Tom and Jerry and I loved I mean, the greatest cartoon ever made and I mean ever made, The Pink Panther. You wouldn't yeah, get and, to show either of them these days. And look, look, look at the roadrunner. Look at the, the amount of violence that poor Coyote used to be under. Rock drops and tabard and It's a cartoon. It's a cartoon. <laughs> It's a cartoon, exactly. But look, no, I, I, and this whole idea crossed and um, a couple of years back as well. They were on about Snow White and they said, dirty old men hanging around, you know what I mean? I mean, these were dwarfs, like, I mean, and you shouldn't use the word dwarfs either. Then, of course, but that's how the, the story problem. was written. But look, that's that's that's, 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 that's how the, Roald Dahl was the same. I mean, they were trying to change his stuff as well. Do you know when, when Disney, Disney uh, put all his money into, it was the first full feature animated film ever made, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And he put so much money into it, and with the backers, PJ, if it didn't work, he was bankrupt, there'd be no Disney. He was sitting at the back uh, at the first public showing, right, with a, 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 an audience that was invited in. 
And he was crapping himself because if this didn't work, if the audience didn't like it, he was finished. And slowly when he came to the scene, when she slipped into the coma, uh, sleep, uh, uh, snow hoist, and they were all sobbing, the dwarfs around the, the, the bed, right? Slowly but surely, a titter emerged around the audience. And he saw women take out their handkerchiefs and start to cry. And he also saw men. And then he knew he was on the winner. And it saved him. Came a blockbuster at, it, at the time. And it saved Disney. It's a true story, John. It's, it's, story? it's a true story. The, uh, thank you. The other one is the whole, and it, 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 I, I did hear it now that I racked my brains, uh, what I loosely call a brain. Um, there was a thing about Sleeping Beauty a few years ago, uh, because it's a very popular pantomime. Of course it is. And the thing about a sleeping woman being kissed by a total stranger without her consent, that became a thing in the world of panto, and I know some pantos rewrote it, or some pantomime directors rewrote it uh, for that precise reason of the consent discussion. You kind of wonder, is that taking something a small bit too far? Trish, it's London, morning. Uh, morning, morning, morning. Your thoughts? Um, for, right, it's, they're his kids, you do your kids, right? But I think it's a lot of... But yes, to be honest with you. And doesn't this come up? Every, it's an annual story, isn't it? This comes up over and over again that I'm not going to do this to my kids and that's my kids. Have you got Disney Plus? I have. When you go home from work today, click on um, any one of those Disney things, including Aladdin, and there is a warning before the film starts, that there's cultural inappropriateness, there might be smoking in something, there might be inappropriate affections. Yeah. Hey, yeah, no, that, that sort of stuff, yeah. Yeah, we're warning, we're warning people now about stuff that's 300 years old. <laughs> I mean, as for the Hansel and Grail, that poor woman, she builds her dream house and these brats come along and eat it. Hello, <laughs> Goldilocks. Goldilocks. Whenever I was reading Goldilocks, Rachel, I was thought she's a squatter. She's come. They've gone out for a walk, and there's this little brat. <laughs> she's coming. She's eaten the breakfast. Coming. She's broken the bed. She wrecked the gas. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I think Trish, we need to set up a meeting here. We need to have a meeting of Overthinkers Anonymous. Yes, and one, and on the other side, the Common Sense Brigade. <laughs> yeah. But if that's, it, if that's the way they're doing their kids, completely up to you. But I always remember that episode of Friends when they're watching some sad movie and Phoebe comes in and she says, no, 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 it doesn't end like this. My mum always turned it off and her mum turned off the bad bits and said everyone lived happily ever after. Then when she became an adult, she saw something like old Geller or something when the dog gets shot and there was the yeah. champ and things like that. So she got the shock later in life. Because they're, they're going to find out one way or the other. That's right. That's right. They're going to find out in later life that actually it wasn't as sanitised as their parents made them out to be. Trish, thank you. 0818969696. There's a thing though. Goldilocks. I mean, yeah, she was a squatter. She broke in. She's a burglar, right? She broke in. She stole breakfast. And she went to sleep in one of the beds. And she broke one of the chairs. 
So she did criminal damage, burglary, theft, and squatting. But we never worry about that particular story, do <laughs> Listen, says this message. They mostly start once upon a time in a land far, far away. It's not real. We've even survived Bambi's mother being shot in the forest. Eugene says he should take a look at the Bible and read the fairy stories in there. Aaron, I can't fathom parents changing old stories. Is it me or are we sheltering kids too much? Children don't think like adults. So are we the adults the problem? Great sense great sense in that line, Aaron, I think. Children don't think like adults. So why are we trying to put adults' thoughts into their little heads? Which is which is valid. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. But stupid Jill went forgot her pill and came down with a daughter. Jer says, Oh my god, the PC brigade strikes again. These are just make believe. They're just fairy tales. Stop overthinking. Can I read that again? I'll read that again. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Stupid Jill Stupid Jill forgot her pill. And now they have a daughter. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Cork's 96 FM. Hi there, it's Ryan Tuberty here. Join me every Sunday morning at 10 on Cork's 96 FM. Cork's 96 FM. There's a mixture of chat, fun, and the best music to kickstart your Sunday, so we'll talk to you then. The Ryan Tuberty Show on Sunday, in association with High and I. For every kind of driver, there's a High and I. Find yours at highandi.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Right, we start a new game of the word. After 11, it was guest this morning on Breakfast with Lorraine and Ross. They had a winner, Dara Cashman, guest that the bleeped out word was listening, which means we have a new one. Now, we're going for a hat trick on the opinion line. We had 500 on Monday. We had a thousand euro yesterday. And we're starting this morning with a brand new word for 250. Hang around. I'll play you the new bleeped out word after 11. I was going to be nice and do it. No, I won't. Don't think I'll bother. I'll wait until after 11 so you hear the new one. 250 euro. And let us know what the word is. And if you get it right, that money is yours. If you don't, it goes on to Simon and goes on to Izzy and starts again in the morning. And who knows, by the time we get back here tomorrow, it could be worth an awful lot more money. We'll see where it goes. We are going for three in a row on the pin line. The winner's on the word. So, so what are your thoughts about sanitizing or changing or altering fairy tales and, and how children process or how we think they process fantasy? Like, look, I'm a big child. I still watch Superman. And when I'm watching Superman, I'm clenching my fist and punching the air. I love all of the Marvel characters and the Marvel movies and all those. And I clench my fist when the Hulk is hulking. I love it all. But I also know it's fantasy. Where did I learn that? I learned that as a child. When my parents told me stories. And I learned to tell the difference between fantasy and truth. And I think a lot of people are forgetting that. And it was a great comment we had a few minutes ago. Please don't try to put adult thinking processes into a child's head. You're ruining their imagination. That was from Lisa. Thank you. 
What about the tooth fairy and the man in red coming down the chimney? Will he ban those two or change those stories? Let the children's imagination run freely. As they get older, it can be a conversation starter. And there's the thing we used to love saying about children, wasn't it? That he or she has a great imagination. Where do they get the imagination? From the little stories they hear as children. And as adults, where do we develop our love of fiction and our ability to discern fact from fiction? I would argue through fairy tales and through what we learn as kids. We learn their stories that somebody made up. I'm reminded of um, Dan Brown, that great, great story. It was a movie and a book. The book was wonderful. The movie was crap, to put it bluntly. Uh, The Da Vinci Code. Fantastic book. Absolutely fantastic book. But the the Vatican was appalled by the story of the Da Vinci Code. To which Mr. Brown said, it's not true. I made it up. Get over yourselves. It's fiction. I made it up. Get over yourselves. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Any, any more, more thoughts on it? Uh, helicopter parenting at its worst, says this. We've had a few people. Now, Alexandra sees the point and made the point. She's thrown out one of her children's books because she felt the ending wasn't suitable for a small child. And she's entitled to think like that. Bernie says, let the children just be children. Lauren says, I think we all forget being children. All these fairy tales were read to me as a child. I'm not traumatized. It's adults overthinking a child's imagination. There's a thing, Lauren. By the time we come to be adults, maybe we forget about imagination. You know, that's, 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 that's true. There's another version. <laughs> There's another version of... <laughs> There's another version of Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill went up the hill for a little hanky-panky. Silly Jill forgot her pill, and now there's little Frankie. And that comes in from Ryan. Thank you. Yeah, Mary had a little lamb. What's the one? (laughs) Mary had a little lamb, her father shot the shepherd. No, no, stop, stop it, stop it. I just want to comment on that. Changing fairy tales. We're now living in a coddle culture. Society is overly sensitive. They're just stories. It's ridiculous to censor them. And in fact, the original fairy tales were ten times tougher, uh, better than the new, the new PC. Yeah, the old versions of these stories, the versions that were written in 1600, 1700, 1800, they were actually more violent and more graphic and had more blood in them, so that by the time we actually wrote the fairy stories for the children, we'd already pre-sanitized them. 0818 96 96 96 God, lads, this one went off. This one took off on it. On us, didn't it? I've got some thoughts on Douglas and the violence in Douglas, which I will get to, and some of your messages on baby Haley Ray, and we will podcast the interview with her mom afterwards. But can we please advise motorists, this is from Neil, I think. Please advise motorists, the ramp to join a dual carriageway or motorway is not a launching pad. Motorists have to yield to the right. I'm a professional driver for over 30 years. I see this happening so many times. People coming up off the ramp think they have a God-given right to simply merge into the traffic. Seen it over and over again. And then people get irate because they think they have the right to merge. They don't. Rule of thumb, 
any motorist is yield to the right. Very good point, well made. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Corks 96 FM They can call me Wayne Hilton. Wayne Hilton. On Corks 96 FM Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend Survey. Have a go at the Wayne Teaser question. There's the latest celebrity gossip. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With Newmarket Motors for the Volkswagen ID Buzz. Fully electric, fully connected, and full of new ideas. NewmarketVolkswagen.ie. On Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 9696 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The more modern world in which you're raising your children I'd love to come back to them at 0818969696 that was a fun that was a fun hour last hour to be quite honest people standing sending me in um, naughty versions of fairy tales and, and nursery rhymes by the end of it I knew we were on a winner with that one thanks to everyone 0818969696 the number the text to whatsapp 083 396-9696 and the email opinion at 96fm.ie Now, I'm going to go to Humphrey. Humphrey, first of all, my condolences on, on the loss of your mom uh, and uh, having to go through the last few days must have been quite difficult. But but what happened at the funeral that you wanted us to know about? Good morning. Um, thanks, PJ. Thanks very much for having me on. Um, sadly, just a brief synopsis. Uh, I flew back in from France on Tuesday. My father, who's 92, came out of hospital after two months on Wednesday. And in the early hours of Thursday morning, my mum, who's 90, passed away. Oh, God. Um, so, but they had Valentine's Day together, PJ. Um, he threw flowers from his wheelchair to her wheelchair. And sadly, mum had had uh, motor neurons for the last six months and couldn't speak. But she smiled, she gave him the thumbs up and 64 years of marriage. Uh, came true. So we uh, had organised the funeral. My wife was putting the kids on the boat to come over, follow me over. So we decided we'd have the funeral on Monday. But we had a visitation, private visitation for family on Saturday, and then a removal or a visitation, as you call it now, on Sunday. So we tried. So when did everywhere. mom actually pass away, Humphrey? Sorry, I missed that. When did Humphrey? Mom passed away in the early hours of Thursday morning. The early hours of Thursday morning. Okay, this yeah. is the fifteenth. So, okay. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, and her name is Sheila Dynan. Um, very, very proud Cork, and especially a Mayfield woman, sister of the late Jack Lynch from the Cotton Bowl, who you very kindly played a, a tribute to uh, last December, twelve months. Okay. Yeah, so a very, very proud Mayfield woman, but but sadly couldn't speak for the last six months. But look, uh, she died at home with all of us around her, thankfully, um, and, and, you know, fantastic mum. But we were looking for um, disabled or wheelchair accessible cars for uh, Sunday, 
or Monday for the funeral. And uh, we couldn't get anybody on Saturday. We tried everywhere, email, phone. You know, my brothers tried Uber. We couldn't get anyone for, for the Sunday. We decided in the end, you know, dad's again spent two months in hospital. So we decided to leave him at home. My sister, uh, sorry, my cousins, my cousins stayed with him. So, you know, we tried on Saturday. We brought him down on Saturday for the family gathering. Um, and it was absolutely excruciatingly painful for the man to try and get him into a taxi. He's got two fractures in his pelvis. Okay. Hence, he, he walked into a hospital in Cork City, I won't mention where, and has come out in a wheelchair after two months, unfortunately. Okay. Okay. Um, so anyway, we, we looked for taxis. I won't mention any taxi names or numbers. That's not fair. Um, but we couldn't get anyone. But I have a cousin who is an absolute force of energy in nature. She's Jack Lynch's daughter, Ursula. Mm-hmm. Ursula is in a Facebook group called the Moms of Glanmire. We know it well. So, yeah, good, good. And uh, I don't do Facebook myself, PJ. Um, I, I, you know, I just don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ursula came up with the goods and we found, uh, you know, positivity through all of this. We found a lovely, fantastic lady called Julie with who does, you know, school runs for, for kids with, you know, disabilities and stuff. She came up with the goods. She couldn't have been any more nice. I really have to say that. I can't stress it enough. Um, and, and she has, you know, offered to help us in future with appointments for dad and stuff, you know. <laughs> but I just found the reason I wanted to speak to you this morning was, look, I just found amazing in the year 2024 in Cork that there are no um, facilities on a Sunday it seemed to me, and I might be over-exaggerating this, but we did try a lot of people. It seems to me that if you're disabled, a wheelchair bound in Cork on a Sunday, that you would not be, a, and you didn't have your own transport, you would not be able to go somewhere. Mm. Um, and and I, I find that, that shocking. I maybe, you know, somebody may ring in and tell me otherwise, but I find that shocking. Again, it's I, it's, I a, in it's a thing that has travel. come up on the programme before, Humphrey. You're not the first one to raise I, this how difficult yeah, it is to yeah. get a wheelchair accessible taxi at certain days of the week and and more so bizarre because the only new taxi plates that, that are given out these days must be two wheelchair accessible taxis so there's a lot yes, of vehicles so, oh, out there that can get a wheelchair yes, so, into oh, them yeah you know and and you know the, the Julie this lady has kind of given us some advice about getting a car for dad ourselves and you know the dimensions and all that sort of stuff but you know I again thought yes like you've just said that every taxi plate that was or license that was issued now had to have you know disability access or wheelchair access and it's not we we couldn't get anyone we ended up actually for that reason and other reasons dad stayed at home um, you know, he's he's ninety two. Yeah, but just that must have been sleep. heartbreaking for him, you know. It was, it was. Um, but you know what? Julie turned up. She turned up to the church. You know, the removal was absolutely the more than two hours down in Northgate Bridge. Um, uh, and then on Monday we had the funeral, and the church in Clohine was absolutely packed. So a tribute to my mum, but Julie to go back to the the taxi access Julie turned up you know brought him up there made sure he was okay then dashed to do her other runs and then came back and brought him to the graveyard and you know again a positivity through all of that that we couldn't find anybody Julie stepped into the breach and she was absolutely fantastic that's brilliant Um, but you shouldn't have to go uh, to that kind of trouble Humphrey should you no no, you live in you live in France so what would be what would be the comparison um well, it would be nothing day, really, PJ. I mean, taxis in France are used for medical 
appointments. That's it. You can't really get a taxi in France like as we would know them in Cork. You can't hail one on the street. Um, they are used for medical appointments, emergencies or whatever. No. Um, and, and look, Cork is different to France. I, you know, where I live near, near Van in France, it's different. You know, so I get that. But I just thought in the year 2024 in Cork, I just thought, come on, guys, you know, mm. we, we need to be doing a little bit better than that. And I may be proven wrong, PJ. I hope I am, that there is somebody out there that says, sorry, you didn't have my number. The other thing is actually, you know, if you're a person who is of a certain age, who's not technologically able, I noticed on a lot of the websites that you can send an email or a contact message, but you, there's no phone number to ring. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of the taxi companies, credit words, you did come back to me and they said, look, sorry, we don't have anybody today. We can't facilitate it. And that's fine. You know, you move on, you move to the next person. Um, but it was just the fact that it, it ended up where we couldn't get anybody and, and you know, trying to squeeze my dad into a Skoda Octavia. He's got two fractures on the on the pelvis and no, stuff. It's just, right. it was horrible, you know. So, um, look, I just wanted to highlight it, and I thank you very much for your time this morning. Um, we're, we're actually running for a ferry in a minute that I, I'm told, my wife has told me that it's suddenly bounced forward two hours. Um but can I, can I make one more point, PJ? Please do. Um, obviously, mum died at home. And I know the guards in this country get a lot of flack. But I, the guards from Groner brought her guard station visited us, as did all the paramedics. We had, she would have been absolutely delighted, my mother. Um, she had eight paramedics and a guard sergeant and two guardy in her bedroom looking at her, you know, trying to help us and stuff. So the emergency services, and especially the guards in Groen, I popped up there yesterday with a box of chocolates for one of the guards, Dave. Mm. Look, credit where it's due. They get a lot of slack. Um, they're doing a difficult job. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, I just wanted to convey my thanks to them, right. you know. Right. Well, Humphrey, um, you, thank you for calling us because this is not the first time this has come up. And we know that there are more wheelchair accessible vehicles out there now because they have to be. But here you are with a situation is even though there's more of them out there, than there's ever been before. You couldn't get one when you really needed one. Yes, exactly. You know, and again, look, PJ, I may be proven wrong. There may be somebody out there saying you should have found this number or that number, but we did try quite a few, and okay. I thought, you know, we would have gotten, you know. All right. Okay. So, again, how's dad now? Uh, dad's at home. He's all right. Look, he kind of remembers that mum is there, and then she's not there, and, you know, we're kind of at that, you know. So, 64 years, they've known each other, 70 years. Mum's um, oldest friend was actually at the funeral. They knew each other 86 years, PJ. Yes, and that is a hell of a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Margaret Dowley or Healy up in Mayfield there, they knew each other 86 years. Um, they walked each other to school on their first day. So, you know, so look, another sort of Cork institution or Mayfield institution gone. Um, but she's not in pain, PJ. Um, she was in pain for the last six months. And, you know, everybody who turned up to do the music, Dan Toomey, who's a cousin of ours. Marvellous, um, marvellous singer. singer. Super so, and, the Brock, and the Brocky family, Fardmore, who my dad's cousins, they turned up and did the music. I sang a little song at the graveside. Um, much to my siblings' uh, sort of surprise, uh, I do a bit, a bit of music in France, you know, so... Um, yeah, you know, look, she would have been happy. She's not in pain. But I just wanted to highlight, you know, for dad, missing his soulmate and his partner of, you know, nearly 70 years, married mm. 64. And there wasn't a wheelchair accessible taxi there when he no, needed but, it but, most. But again, Julie, Julie came up with the goods. And thank her. you, Julie. I know she's listening. So thank you very much. And, and again, PJ, thank you very much for having me on. <laughs> um, 
you know, I listen to you when I'm in my workshop in France. Um, what do you do over there? What do you do? Um, I, I spent 20 odd years finance in Jersey, so I'm kind of semi-retired. But we've got a Jeep business, um, like a holiday self-catering business. Yeah. So anybody from Cork wants to come over, our gates and our doors are always open. Um, you know, we welcome, I, I love my wife kills me because I'll chase Irish people down the street and, and you know, if I see an Irish <laughs> way. Um, and uh, I, play, I play, I'm actually playing music in Laval in a big Irish bar owned by uh, a girl from Balancolic, Emily O'Regan. Um, so The you world know, is I, only a village really, Humphrey, when you think about it. It, it, it really is, PJ, you know, um, and, and look at the, the kind and, and kindness and comfort we've had from Cork people and Clonmel people. We lived in Clonmel for a while, but especially Cork over the last few days has been second to none. Um, you know, you know, but look again, I won't delay you. Thank you very much for having me on. And I hope, I hope me speaking like this will, uh, does it, uh, my uncle Jack would say there's a business opportunity there somewhere. Um, sure. Jack could be running out to buy a couple of taxis and stick a couple of lads in, you know, so. I know. Uh, All you know, right. Hum- Humphrey, I, my best to you and, and the family in particular to you, Dad. What's Dad's name? Uh, Jerry. Jerry. My, my Jerry. best in particular to Jerry. And uh, we think of the late Sheila Dynan, uh, passed away at the age of uh, 90. And uh, Jerry is 92. And there was no. Thank you, Humphrey, and safe journey back to France. There was no wheelchair accessible taxi available to take 92-year-old Jerry Drynan to his wife's funeral on a Sunday, or to a removal on a Sunday. Now, the taxi drivers of Cork would probably ring up and explain it to me, and that's fine too. But we're told that there are more wheelchair accessible taxis on the road now than there ever have been because they have to be, the law has changed or the regulations have changed so why on a Sunday could Humphrey not get a taxi to bring his 92 year old dad who's in a wheelchair to his wife's removal why not, what's wrong 0818 96 96 Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Corks 96 FM I almost forgot. We have a new word. Uh, The word was guest this morning on the breakfast show. Uh, So we have a new one. This is worth 250 Euro. What word have we blanked out here from Lorraine and Ross in the morning? I, I, I let you hear it a couple of times just because we've I'm, I'm late getting to it. That is the most disgusting combination I How have is that ever disgusting? come across. Dry cocoa pops and dry cocoa pops and bleep. What is bleeped? That is the most disgusting combination I've How ever is that come across. Dry cocoa pops and... What is the word? That's the first time you've heard it. If you think you know what that is, text us just your name. Don't give us the answer. Just your name to 83 396 And we'll play the word between now and 12. We're going for a hat-trick today. We had a winner on Monday with 500 euro we'd a winner yesterday with a thousand euro of 250 quid in the pot today with a brand new word on Cork's 96 FM 
That is the most disgusting combination. How is that disgusting? Across dry cocoa pops and. 083 96 96 96. Just your name. Back to fairy tales and stories and changing the words and changing the stories. Uh, we'll podcast all of that for you a little bit later. Lauren sent a voice note to 083 396 I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, at the end of the day, when I was a child, like I used to love those stories. I used to play dress up and do like little fashion shows for my parents and stuff like that. But I never thought anything of it, like never. Um, I didn't see the harm of it. And at the end of the day, we all grow up and we forget about those fairy tales. And then we can't wait to read them to our children. Then when we do have children, I have, I have a daughter and I will be reading her those fairy tales. I will be allowing her to watch those movies. It's done me no harm. I'm not traumatised from it. Each to their own. But I just think, let kids be kids at the end of the day. I just think we're gone too soft as a whole population, we're gone too soft and I just think um, we need to leave kids' imaginations run wild and stop trying to put an adult's mind into a child's. Lauren, thank you. 083 96 96. Great way to get your point across. If you don't have time for a phone call and you have a lot to put in, the, the text would take us forever to read. Just record it into your WhatsApp and send it to us. 083 96 Lauren, Thank you. Now, down in Cove, they are very upset about funding. Funding for roads and funding for other such development. And they're looking at parts of the county getting more money. And they're not happy people. Hendrik Verway joins me. Hendrik, you're, you're being getting the, the crumbs off the rich man's table is how it looks. Good morning. Good morning, TJ. Yeah, we are, and are we even at times, you know, because last week there was... Michael McGrath on his socials was telling his constituents that um, Carrigaline area was going to get 856,000 euros uh, from the regional, you know, the regional and local road allocation for next or this year. And one of our councillors in the Co Municipal District uh, went, on, went on her socials and told us that the photo road was getting 150,000 euros and that Kilkulishal was getting 70,000 for for flood flood relief or whatever and that was the sum total of it and you know we say what what have we done wrong down here you know um <laughs> so you got 200 you, you got 220,000 total and i'm just looking down here uh, Carrigaline main street 50,000 ring village drainage 50,000 uh, castle heights 30 captain's boreen don't know where that is 10,000 gravel bay 400,000 that's down in crosshaven uh, pedestrian crossing Ballygarvan, 46,000. Uh, Bellevue Road Grange, 125,000. Yeah. And the whole of the island, the Great Island, 220. And the district as well, as, as far as I can make out. And you, you dig deeper into the list then and it gets even more bizarre because there's a road that goes to Oyster Haven and it says the seawall along Oyster Haven Beach needs some repairs as the road is supported by this wall and this is the only means of access in and out of this area. And it's getting €40,000 for that, right? The photo road is the only road in and out of Great Island and it doesn't get a crumb, as you say. Um, you know, and we, we, like I was at an exhibition in, in what was then the Sheraton Hotel 15 years ago, I'd say, mm. where they were presenting plans for the new photo road. And don't get me wrong, I think the photo road is actually okay, 
But what isn't okay is that there's one bridge and there's one road. And if something goes wrong on the photo road, like it has done, everything is stopped. You can't get off the island, you can't get into the island, apart from the ferry yeah. and, the, and, and the railway. And yeah, we've had that so, conversation many times, Hendrik. You know, in the case of, say, we had a major emergency, and say, as part of that major emergency, the road or the bridge was compromised. Be in trouble. Yeah. You know, and it's been kicked down the road over and over again. They're drib-drabbing planning applications for the former IFI Marina Point site in. So they're all going to be bringing lorries in and out because it's not a master plan for the area. They're not going to use the railway, which they should be using the railway. It's a, it's a, a strategic site. Uh, the Port of Cork are part owners of it. But they're dribbling in planning applications for fertiliser storage and grain storage and all the doors are going to come by lorry or go out by lorry and nobody is really grasping this at all. Like, you know, this Cove needs a second access. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you mentioned the main street of Carrigaline is getting 50,000 euros. The main street of Cove is like a patchwork quilt. I haven't because... seen it lately, but the last time <laughs> I was down, it wasn't looking great. Yeah, because what happened for 20 years, the people of Cove were being told we're not resurfacing the main streets of Cove because Irish water or whatever was there before them are coming along to put in the main drainage scheme. That was the excuse for 20 years. And then Irish Water came along and dug up the place and did a magnificent job. You know, they've cleaned up the harbour. All our sewage now goes to a state-of-the-art treatment plant. So the harbour is much improved, but resurfaced half the road because yeah. they were allowed to resurface half the road. And it's, it's crumbling. Mm. You know, if you, if, you, if you dig again into this famous list uh, the bridge rehab habilitation, Farnand's Bridge, is getting one hundred and ninety-eight thousand euros. Mm. There's a crater of a pothole on top of Belvedere Bridge, and it's not getting a cent. <laughs> you know, yeah, you yeah. just wonder. And, and on the year, actual bridge itself, yeah, should, right that could bridge. be that could be the cause of a major accident. Well, you have no choice either to drive through it or drive over the white line right on top of the bridge, and nobody seems to care. And um, Last year, there was an allocation of €42,000 for Belvedere Bridge. I didn't see any work on Belvedere Bridge last year. You know, over the last three years, active travel is the buzzword. Um, You know, we're supposed to be getting €160,000 for an an active travel route from the ferry into Cove. And Mm. you know that road. I do. Like, what are they going to do? Are they going to put in a cable car to put up the bike? Because it's so narrow. And... 160,000, nobody knows where it is. Yeah. Nobody knows what's happened. <laughs> Nobody's seen anyone. They haven't come. You know, like Tidy Towns would know. Like, it's, part of, it's part of Tidy Towns' brief sustainable travel. Mm. Nobody's come looking for us to see what we think. Are the people of Cove or anyone in Cove? Mm. Um, and there's 160,000 supposedly floating around. And nobody knows where it is. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's an election year. Hendrick, local elections are only what? They're, they're less than what? February, March, every winter. They're less than four months away yeah. now. Yeah. Will this be a big thing? It could be a big thing, but like our councillors are decent people and they're doing their best. You know, they keep raising. Like if you listen to the council meetings of Cold Municipal District, you say, my God, is this what councillors are supposed to be doing? They're raising potholes. They're raising street lights that aren't working. They're raising the fact that there's no lines left on the roads in Cold. They're all worn away. This is basic housekeeping stuff 
yeah. that shouldn't have to be raised at a council meeting. And, and this is Cove, bear in mind, where how many, is it a hundred and something cruise liners from around the world will come in this yeah. season? Tens of thousands of people spending money, thankfully, in the area. And, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Like, to be honest, Cove is a tourism hub for Cork City. You know, if you go away on a, on a city break, you hop in a train and you hop in a train for 30 minutes, no problem. So if you're staying in Cork City, well, Cove is literally a hop down the road and like Cove is more tourist attractions than Cork City has. Mm. So, you know, the, the economy of Cork City relies on Cove and people coming to Cove. The cruise liners rely on people getting on buses to leave Cove, some of them, not all of them. They all come back. Can you imagine, Hendrick, what would happen? And I'm, <laughs> Fingers crossed that it doesn't. Can you imagine what would happen if you had a huge cruise liner in and 20 or 30 buses gone off to the various parts of Cork and Kerry, full of yanks, we'll say, and then they come back and find, oh, bugger, the bridge is out. What the hell would happen then? Well, it might wake people up for number one, right? <laughs> Hopefully it wouldn't be a, a, a life and death situation that would ensue, but it could very well. And it could, that's what maybe would have caused it. Um, and God forbid, okay, that, that might be a couple of hours one day. Who's to say the bridge doesn't get substantially damaged someday? And what do we all do then? You know? Yeah, yeah, Put on our wellies and wait for low tide or something. <laughs> Um, it, 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 in one way, it doesn't bear thinking about, but secondly, it, it's something that needs to be thought about. And you need to say, right, what is going on? Because Cove, I think a lot of people who wouldn't know it, Hendrick, particularly sort of the new Corkonians now who are only here to white, wouldn't realise we have this wonderful town, this marvellous place, tourist attraction with global, globally famous tourist attraction like Spike Island. <laughs> and <laughs> one way in and one way out, and that way in and way out is looking fairly battered. The main street, like you said, looks like a patchwork, patchwork work quilt. Where's all the money going? Yeah. No, it is. It isn't all bad news, TJ. You know, Cove is a wonderful place. And, and there are other ways. But it could do with train. a bit of love, Hendrick. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think what, where the love is coming from at the minute is, is the people of Cove doing their bit, but the people in power are not doing their bit. You know, Cove, a town of 15,000 people, it doesn't have a theatre. It doesn't have a cinema. It doesn't have a function room because the hotel no longer has a function room. And it has nowhere to host an exhibition, like Cove Library hosts exhibitions, but it's booked out to 2026. Wow. And Cove doesn't have a space like that, you know, for a town of 60,000 people. Towns like McCroom have theatres being developed by County Council, and yeah. Cove doesn't, you know, and nobody seems to think that's an issue. Like, what are they waiting for? The people of course to go away and buy a building and do it themselves like we've always done. Uh, I don't know. Thoughts, thoughts, thoughts to ponder, Hendrick. I, I leave it there with you for today, but that's good. Hendrick Verway. Cove not feeling the love in any kind of an allocation. They haven't a theatre, they haven't a cinema. Uh, they don't function room because the hotel is no longer used for that purpose. Thanks, Hendrick. And it's only one way in, one way out. Then comes this... Uh, you're always discussing things that could do with more funding. Um, but I was wondering this. What do people think of 800 million going to Northern Ireland in recently announced projects? That's not a small amount. No, I was listening to that yesterday. Most of that money will go, huge amount of money is going to go to this A5 road, which if you've ever driven on it, Donegal down through Tyrone, down towards the south, 
it's an awfully dangerous road. It's a horrible road to drive on. And it really does need an upgrade. And because it goes cross-border in the end, there's a huge allocation gone to, to that which was announced yesterday. And then one of the uh, venues for the 2028 20, Euros is a, uh, a football stadium. And that's getting quite an amount of money to be upgraded as well. But that money's going over the border. Is that where we want our money to go? Thank you for that. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. On the changing of words and all of that, one of my favourite songs says this message is Sinead O'Connor's "The Butcher Boy." God, I haven't heard that in a while. I play guitar and I sing, but I don't perform it anymore because people get very uncomfortable with it. I understand some things should not be exposed to children, but my difficulty now is this attitude seems to continue on when people reach adulthood. It's okay to say things needn't see or hear certain things, but shouldn't you also say when we start reintroducing things back into their lives? Well, I don't know who your name, or what your name is, caller, but you make a very valid point. If we start taking stuff, ordinary harmless enough stuff, out of children's stories. By the time they get to be adults, the slightest thing will trigger them and upset them and bring on anxiety and, and you know the rest. So you've dropped the butcher boy from your set. Yeah, it's a fairly raw song. But you've dropped it because people get uncomfortable with it. See? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Like what 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 Simon? Simon Tierney is doing with his girls. Look, he's doing it with the best of intentions. I can't take that from him. He's changing the fairy stories and the bedtime stories he tells to his little girls because he doesn't want them thinking about what he sees as, as horrible things. That's the thin edge, edge of the wedge. If we now get to a point where balladeers and, song, and, and performers are taking songs out of their performances because some people get, get upset about them, where are we going then? I give you this again because we will have a contestant on the word before we finish today. We are going for a hat-trick on the opinion line. We had a winner on Monday, 500 quid. Winner on Tuesday, 1,000 euro. It's 250 in the pot this time with a brand new word. That is the most disgusting combination I have ever come across. Dry Coca Pops and... All right. If you want to play the word, just your name, please. Just your name. 083 396 96 96. Patrick was listening to what I was saying about the A5 getting uh, a ton of cash from our side of the border. He says, in times past, the road from Dublin to Belfast used to run out of steam before the border. And it was really bad just past it and until it linked up with their motorway network. I think that was embarrassing. And I'd be fully in favour of us doing our bit to improve the roads. But after that, let the UK government pay for it. Uh, there are roads in McCroom badly in need of refurbishment. Will the UK pay for that? It comes down to there being a certain amount of funds and spending it where the government is taking in its tax money. Thanks, Patrick. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six 
they send them on to Spain. Yeah, they send them on to Spain. So they're yeah, that's what happens. So they're late. They stay in late and just for a few days, and then they then they send them off to Spain because there's so many of them that are coming every day. Like there's no way the hero can actually cope with those yeah. with those numbers. No, no. So that's what happens. They stay stay there uh, and they send send them off to mainland Spain because they have numerous accommodation centres in Madrid. Now they have a, they they have three military facilities and one place then houses yeah, three thousand people in, in Madrid. Yeah, yeah. Because El Hero, I, I don't believe El Hero even has a hospital, does it, Audrey? No. No, it has one one hospital there for one, one and small um, it's one hospital. And here is where they arrive into is the town of La, La Restina, and like this town only has like four hundred people. Yeah, a very very small town. And like last year, they received the hero. Last year, received eleven thousand migrants, eleven thousand six hundred fifty nine. Being a nurse yourself, Audrey, it must have been very disturbing to see the condition these people were arriving in. Yes. Oh, yes. Some of them could barely stand. They, they they had to actually be held off the boat. It's just and like in seeing the bear, the boat, nothing else. Like there's no toilet facilities. There's nothing on the boat. Like you're stuck there for six to eight days. No toilet facilities. There's nothing there. It's an eye opener. It just gets you to appreciate what you have. Just even you know having a roof over your head, able just to appreciate you know the, the small things in life. It really does. Yeah, you sent us on some pictures, and we're grateful for them. We, we'll share them if we may. But like you yes, said, a perspective. Welcome. When we hear stories from across the world of people arriving on boats, little boats, like, like you said, no toilet, no little toilet. or no food, for nearly eight days... Yes. And like they're open boats that are totally open boats and the seas, like the seas around the Hero are very rough. You know, yes. it's not, they're not camp seas, they're out in very, very rough conditions. Yes. I know the sea in that part of the world, Audrey. There's a strait between Tenerife and El Hero and it can get very rough. Extremely rough, yes. Oh, it really is, and like initially, many years ago, they used to come there by accident. But now they're they're coming now since they're coming the, since two thousand three. They're coming in like large numbers, and they're nearly every day now to the hero. And I would assume the poor devils are paying an awful lot of money to some character to put them into this yes. death trap of a yes. of, of a craft. Yes, yeah, yeah. So you just wonder what, why, what they're getting away from. You know, it has to be very serious to what they're getting away from. If they need to feel that they have to get away, get, come with nothing, you know, just their bare clothes on them and hoping to try and make a new life here in the, you know, in the Canary Islands, you know, and then go, then they're sent off to Spain, just try and make a new life for themselves. I, I think that the most shocking thing that, that you've said to me is there isn't even anyone in control of the vessel. Just someone has no. a, a GPS and yes. they're pointed that way. So That's they're right. out yeah. in the wild, the wild open seas with nobody. Yes. Except no one. Pure no one at all. Wow. That's... Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, you, you, yes. you, nobody, nobody would do that for fun, Audrey, I think, would they? they would, there's no way at all. So like whatever they're escaping from, you know, just just arriving with nothing, nothing. Like no family, a lot of them are on their own. Just, just oh, it's, it's, when we passed to the, like the refugee camp, you could see them outside of the tents and you, like a lot of them are young men, but also you could see there's a lady, there's a lady there with a young child and the child, it was only, it was in his arms, the only, the child only looked, seemed to be about two and a half years old and like bringing a child along those rough seas. You have to ask yourself what they're running from, don't you? You have to absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. 
I've read up a lot about, and they say they stepped up surveillance and trying to avoid the dinghies and the rowing boats moving away. But it's they're they're still escaping and they're paying huge money for the uh, to get over. And probably an awful lot of the poor devils that don't even make it. Audrey, I know that you wanted yes. to talk about this, and I know you sent us the pictures. We're hoping we'd speak to you. I'm glad we did. I think it's been there's been learning in it for us all. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks very much, you very appreciate for having me on. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Very sobering discussion there. Thanks, Audrey. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. If the conditions and they are as she describes them, what are they running from? What are they so desperate? To, to get away from, that they would put themselves into that kind of danger and pay huge money for the privilege. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six is something we can come back to if you want to tomorrow. The word is your chance to win free money on Quartz ninety six FM. Right, we have a new one, and there's two hundred and fifty euro in the pot. If we don't win it this afternoon, or right now it goes to be 500 this afternoon, but I want three winners in a row. I've had two, and I want a third. Let's have one more aged. That is the most disgusting combination I've ever disgusting? come across. Dry Cocoa Pops and... To line one, Natasha is in Clonic Guilty. Don't tell me straight off the bat, Natasha. <laughs> What, what would you what, 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 I don't know why I'm even laughing what, what would you spend the money on if you were to win 250 quid right now um, I'm going to the Carabao Cup final at the weekend um, it's Chelsea and Liverpool good for you um, so if I win I'll recoup my money for the ticket are you a Liverpool or a Chelsea fan oh Liverpool fan Liverpool fan Christ mm. if you heard me say Chelsea fan he'd have a heart attack <laughs> right <laughs> Well, if you're paying, if you're paying for a good chunk of it, he won't care who you support. All right, what word do you think was left out? Peanut butter. Shall we see? Tense moments. Let's oh. see what word was, was it. Was it peanut butter? No. No. Unfortunately, the mystery continues. For one more contestant this afternoon with Simon. So, unfortunately, Natasha, you're funding the no. trip to Wembley yourself. <laughs> I am. <laughs> well, enjoy. That's it from us, though. Program edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. All of you podcasts up ASAP. And we'll see you tomorrow just after night. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Quartz 96 FM Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.